Are you looking for financial independence? Would you like more peace and liberation in your life? Are you ready to forge your destiny? Well, you're in the correct place at the correct time. And I'm glad you're here. Live from Canada, broadcasting around the world. You're listening to the Care More Work Less Show with your host, real estate-based wealth coach, Jeffrey Woods. Now, let's get on with the show. All right. Well, today I'm excited because I am joined with a gentleman that I've gotten the privilege to to know and work with over the past couple of months as a coaching client of mine. And I've learned so much about him and all the amazing things that he's got going on in his life and his real estate investment business that I just had to have him on the show. So welcome to the Care More Work Less show. And Dan, I'm excited to uh, to dive in today. Awesome, Jeff. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. Great. Well, let's uh, let's get started. I want to know, first and foremost, how did you get started in real estate investing? Oh, wow. Okay. How did I get real estate investing? Well, um, okay. So I have to go back to when I was like about, let me see, 20... 22, 23, around there, I was a scared punk kid that uh, didn't know what to do with my life, like most kids around that age. I didn't, I didn't immediately know what I wanted to do, so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go hide. So I ran away to uh, college, like most young people do. I think half the people that go to college probably don't have a clue what they're doing. They just kind of go there because their parents tell them, go get, a, go get an education. So I took off to uh, college, tried two or three different things. I liked the, the arts, so I kind of thought, well, you know what? I might as well do something I enjoy. So I, I thought, okay, well, I'll do, I'll do something in art. I actually wanted to be a, a special effects makeup artist for a while. Wow. I thought that'd be a fun job. And then I found out they got paid 10 bucks an hour. And I said, no, no, that one's wrong for me. I should have figured that one out before I went to college. That would have saved me some money. Yeah, much more lucrative to make over real estate deals. Yeah, so so I did that, and then I did. I tried acting for a while. I was terrible at acting. I I, I have a fear of public speaking, so um, so I just couldn't do that. So I got out of that. Uh, I ended up getting a a, a fine arts degree in the, actually not a degree, a a, um, a certificate. I don't know a diploma. I guess they would call it at college, mm-hmm. um, and that took you know three years of bopping around doing those kinds of things. And then I thought, okay, well, I, I got to take this more serious. So I, I, um, I applied to the university of Windsor and, uh, and went there and, you know, to be honest, I, I wish they would have <laughs> rejected my offer, but, uh, I think they just took, took my stuff for the money. Um, so they accepted me and, uh, it ended up being a five-year degree because, uh, I worked a lot, quite a bit, right. Uh, you know, I didn't have any money to pay for school. So I just, uh, you know, I worked I worked during that time and it turned it into a four year into a five year degree. I got out of there and um, to be honest, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have got hired anywhere with what I had. It was total garbage, the degree I got. Um, so I got out of there and I thought, Jesus, what am I going to do? I applied for haphazardly applied to get my um, my teacher's uh, teacher's degree or whatever. Um, and they. Uh, they didn't accept me, thank God. Uh, so what I did was I, I went and I did um, construction because I used to do construction in the summer times. Okay. And uh, so I so I started doing construction. I moved to Toronto. And uh, so let's see here. I moved to Toronto. I was there for a couple of years. 
And then I, I, um, I herniated a disc in my back and uh, that actually turned out to be a blessing because I had to kind of take, take time off again and figure out what I was going to do. And then, uh, so I left Toronto, uh, moved in with, uh, moved into my father's basement in Sarnia, Ontario. I was about 20, uh, trying to think of how old I was then about 28 ish or whatever, 29 uh you know and felt like a total loser i had no money i owed a lot of money to student loans still i um my back was screwed up and living in my dad's basement it was a horrible time um and uh one night what you were like actually I, okay so this before this this one night that this crazy thing happened I'll, I'll tell you this little story there um i'd always wondered you know when i was in school and when i got out of school like what the, like there's got to be something else like literally there's got to be something else you know like i don't want to be this guy who works nine to five um you know this job and then this whole canadian american north american whatever dream of you you uh save you in your rsps for you know 50 years and then you retire and just that this total bullshit. there's just no way in hell i was going to do that i knew there was something else so you really had three choices you could be in uh, you can get into stocks, right? Do that stocks, uh, investing basically, uh, get into real estate or start your own business. So I thought, well, at the time I thought, well, how, how can I get into real estate? I have no money. Uh, and around the same time that this happened, um, I'm in my dad's basement. I partied a lot back then. So I'm, I'm probably hammered up. It's about three in the morning. Um, and this little Vietnamese guy named Tom Vu comes on uh, infomercial. Um, and I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, and I swear to God, he was talking to me. It was one of those moments where you're just staring at the TV, you know, those yeah. infomercial comes on, they say, call right now. Of course, the, the, the program was 6,000 bucks, I think it was 6,000 US. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, they didn't have any money. Um, and this thing comes on and, I, and I'm looking, I'm going, yeah, yeah, I can do this. So, um, so, so what did I do then? So, uh, so I, so what I did was I, I didn't order his program because it was 6,000 bucks. He actually had to come to, he had to come to Florida where he would do these seminars and he used to do this thing called, um, you know, like your friends say you loser, come to my seminar. Have you ever heard of Tom Vu by the way? Yeah, yeah, I actually, very similar story early on. The difference was I bought uh, Carlton Sheets. Okay. Same thing. Same thing. Sounds crazy. Okay, so so I ordered Carlton Sheets' stuff. There was there was literally two gurus at the time. It was Carlton Sheets and Robert Allen. Uh, obviously, you know who Robert Allen is. Um, yeah, so you could order either one of those guys packages. It was only maybe thousand bucks or something or whatever at the, at the time it might've been a million bucks. you know, like it felt like a million bucks to me given a thousand bucks away us, but I ordered it and it came in a, in a bunch of binders. Obviously you got the same thing. Some yeah, yeah. binders you had to, you know, we didn't have internet back then. And you know, it's funny that it's only 15 years ago that really internet kind of, you know, you know, like I, I actually did Google this before our before our, our podcast. The internet's been around since about eighty two or eighty three, something like that. But really, the internet hasn't been around since about two thousand. You know, like you couldn't even use the internet back then. Like, right? Um, 
So you can actually use the internet in about 2000. That's about right around the same time I started investing. But, but back then, you had to read a damn book if you wanted to learn something. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's almost bizarre when you think about it now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, mine, mine came with uh, cassette tapes back in the good old cassette, days. Yeah. Folks, they might not know what those are, but pre-CD, uh, right? So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you'd put, uh, you'd put the CD in, in um, or no, it wasn't even a CD. It was cassettes. That, yeah. You'd play it in your, yeah, play it in your ghetto blaster or play it in your, <laughs> or in your car, put it in your car. And listen to stuff. And it's funny that you're driving around town, and there. And it's funny, Carlton Sheets. He's a. He, you could tell he's a salesman. It's just hilarious. His 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 mannerisms. His uh, you know, his voice. Um, he sounded like one of those guys that um, he sounded like an infomercial, really. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so he's telling me about Carlton Sheets is telling me about you go around different uh, areas of town, and you you know the bad areas of town. You can people have signs on their lawn that say you know, like house for sale, will finance or house for sale, um, vendor take back or seven. I'm thinking the whole time I'm thinking there's no way I've never seen a sign like that. This is so ridiculous. And sure enough, I don't know, it was a day or two later after starting to read these, these, um, these binders, don't I go into an area of town and there's a sign on the lawn that says house for sale, will finance. I almost died. Like literally almost died. I thought, you got to be kidding me. So I ended up buying this um, little shitty house. And the funny thing is, so I go and talk to these guys. I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, no idea, right? I'm just a punk kid who doesn't know anything. And I tell this guy, okay, how does this work? And he says, you just got to, um, you just got to give, I think it was like 5,000 down. He wanted at the time. These were like actually pros. I, I learned later that these were literally pros that would just prey on, uh, people and, and end up with a free house. That's a whole separate conversation. But um, so I was, I, I potentially could have been a victim. And I, um, I, so I got, uh, I talked to this guy, I said, listen, I don't have 5,000. I got 2,000. And he says, okay, well, we'll take your 2,000 and uh, we'll do a rent to own with you. And of course I did nothing about that then. I think it was nine and a half percent. His one partner wanted to do 12, but um this guy felt bad for me. So he said, let's do, let's do nine and it ended up being nine and a half. We agreed at nine and a half. So I, I get this, um, I get this house, this little shitty wartime house, you know, one of those little square box houses. Um, and I start fixing it up. And of course this guy tells me the more you fix it up, obviously, you know, the more likely you're going to be able to refinance at the bank, which is total bullshit. Uh, now that I know this, so I spent all my money and all my time fixing up this house. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do to this house. Uh, it's not going to change anything about your ability to get a mortgage. Uh, and, you know, we both know that now. But uh, at the time, it was uh, I did not know that. So when the two years was up, I think it was two years, I go to get a mortgage and I go around to the various banks and they all say no. I think I still owed about 30,000, I think, in student loans. Uh, I was self-employed at the time. I couldn't get a mortgage. Uh, and I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna lose this house. And I, at that, you know, it was funny because at that time I was like, oh no, I've been scammed, right? After two years of, um, 
paying, you know, fixing this house up and, and doing all this stuff, I literally thought, oh my God, I've been scammed. So I'm not proud to say, but I actually went to the last bank. I could have found other ways, but I didn't, I couldn't think of anything else to do at the time. But I went to the bank, uh, my last choice, RBC, and purposely didn't fill out the paperwork right. And they asked me about if I had any student loans, did I own any debt, whatever. And I lied to the bank. And <laughs> I said I didn't have any of these things, knowing full well, of course, that I'm going to never miss a payment. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so anyway, so I ended up with a um, – they gave me a mortgage. Thank God. Actually, when they found out that I had lied, they were not very happy and they questioned me about it. And I said, I don't know. I just, I don't remember that part of the application. Um, uh, needless to say, I never missed a payment and, um, and they, you know, I ended up, okay. So that's, uh, this is going to, this is very long winded for this one question that you have, but it's oh, a great, big story. Great. No, um, I love it. Keep going. Yeah. So, because our, our our listeners can learn from this, right? The trials and tribulations yeah, of you. Yeah, well, hopefully they're not learning to lie to the bank. But um, no, no, no. Yes, it's perseverance, right? Perseverance is exactly it. Do what you got to do. Like literally, do what you got to do. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, so I left there, or I, I, what I did was I thought, okay, well, how am I going to build this? Now, this took two years to do, two or three years, I can't remember now. And I thought, okay, well, how am I going to get uh, to the next level? And with following the same advice, I actually just started looking around for larger projects, duplexes, fourplexes, those kinds of things. I couldn't find anything. And at the time I had a, this little construction business, which I, I didn't run very good by the way, but um, uh, I had this little construction business and I was looking for a warehouse to, to store some of my stuff. And there was this really bad dilapidated little strip mall in a, in a decent part of town actually. Um, that, uh, that had a warehouse. So I talked to the guy and I talked about renting the warehouse. And he wanted, I think it was like a thousand bucks a month or something. It was just outrageous. And I talked to him some more and, and of course his plaza, his whole plaza was for sale. And I said, well, oh, sorry. I, I think someone just came in the house there. Anyway, um, so I asked, well, how much is, um, is this plaza? And he told me, I think it was about uh, 400 grand maybe. And it had a lot of uh, apartments in it. Just sorry, one second here. Okay, we're good. I'm sorry. I, I thought someone came in the house. So we're good. So, I, so we're at this plaza. And sorry about that. Um, so we're at this plaza. And I said, well, how much do you want for it? I think it was around 400 grand. And, and I said, well, I... I like this is total bullshit numbers I'm throwing at this guy. I said, well, I got, I think it was... 250. So I got 250 and I need you to hold the mortgage. The guy said, no, that's never going to happen. Well, for, I bugged this guy for about a year, literally bugged him and bugged him and bugged him to sell me this plaza. Cause I knew no one was buying it. It was a wreck. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, anyway, so he, lo and behold, he ended up selling me his plaza I sold my little shitty wartime house. I, I made about 30 grand. Uh, I gave him the whole 30 grand cash. So it was basically a larger rent to own, right? Um, right. And, he, and he held the mortgage. I think he, I, he held it, I think it was a five year, five year at 5%. So it was actually a great deal for me. Uh, Cause at the time, um, 
you know, private money and those kinds of things were around 10, 15%. It was, it was, you know, like similar to, to now or actually even a little worse. And he did this thing for five years. I think he expected, probably expected it to get it back. I'm not sure. But um, so, so, the, uh, so I ended up buying this uh, plaza. Turns out it had 17 apartments in it. Um, 17 apartments and about five commercial. And the best part of the story about buying this plaza. So we're at the, uh, the lawyer's office and I'm signing the papers, right? And um, at the time when, when uh, we were negotiating the deal, the, the real estate agent, I didn't have a real estate agent on my end. I just, I just literally gunsling this deal, uh, not knowing what the hell I was doing. So the realtor on the other end asked me, uh, you know, we were going over the buildings and I said, um, I said, I want all the buildings. And he said, you want all the buildings? That's a little bold, don't you think, for what you're offering? And I said, I don't care. I want all the buildings. So at that time, I had no idea what the hell I was talking about. But when I'm at the lawyer's office and we're signing the, the contract, mm -hmm. I'm going through the addresses and I'm looking at this, you know, like uh, 135 Napier and 236 Maxwell. And it was the big corner plaza. And I see this thing on there. It says 222 Maxwell Street. And I thought, 222? I said, what the hell is this? And they said, it's, uh, it's the building on, uh, you know, such and such street. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, you don't know about this building? And I said, no. I said, this building is part of this deal? And he goes, yeah, you know that, don't you? And I'm like, no. And so I got a sixplex thrown in the deal that I had no idea was even on the contract. How completely insane is that? That's a pretty good bonus. That's a pretty good bonus. Mind you, it was a drug house, basically. But... Um, downside yeah so i got a free actually the entire plaza was a basically a drug house um you know like there was literally people like urinating in the parking lot fighting uh you know drug deals going everywhere and the funniest part about that is that i actually had to move in to the plaza because i didn't have a place to live i sold my house to buy this place right, um right. so that's sort of how um how yeah, like I mean, there's a long, there's, there's, I won't bore the um, the listeners here with a long-winded story of how what what happened from there. But basically, I turned the plaza around. It took a few years. I uh, I borrowed some money from a um, some from, from some private lenders. Uh, actually, this is a good story for the for the listeners out here. So I didn't know what I was doing, and I fell prey again. I fell prey to every every uh, uh, charlatan out there. When I, I needed money to finish this, to work on this plaza, I, I literally had no money. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Um, so I'm working literally seven days a week trying to get this plaza done. And um, I needed private money. So I, this, this lawyer lady that I knew says she's got some private money for me. I said, oh, great. Um, you know, we, so I went and talked to this guy. I said, he said, how much do you need? I said, I need 100 grand. Uh, he says, sure. I think it was like 12% or something. I said, yeah, you know, whatever, no problem. Um, it took a, like literally a month to get this all straightened out. And then the day I go to sign, literally the day I go to sign the papers to get this money, uh, the hundred grand minus fees was 60 grand. 
they had somehow managed between the two lawyers, the lender uh, had managed to charge me 40 grand in fees. Wow. Yeah. And it was literally like, yeah. And they, and they said the whole time, yeah, don't worry. You got this. You, you know, like uh, the money's, the money's coming. So I had, you know, taken out loans, borrowed money here and there, knowing that this money was coming <laughs> by the, literally when the, when it was on the desk, um, I had to pay $40,000 in fees. So in hindsight, uh, always make sure you check what, what the fees are going to be before you, I think it was like six points to do the deal. My lawyer was 10,000. Their lawyer was 12,000. Uh, there was a broker in there somehow that got five or six grand. It was crazy. And, um, yeah, but you know, to be honest, that, that 60 grand is what saved, saved everything. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I fixed up that plaza. I got conventional financing after that. Uh, and that's sort of how that whole, um, that's how I got started. That's how I got started. That's a long way to explain how I got started in real estate, but that's, um, but that's it. And the rest uh, of history. So they say, yeah. So, you know, it, the, the word perseverance just keeps coming to mind, right? It's like where there's a will, there's a way and you just figured it out as you went. And, you know, obviously like most of us do, you made some mistakes along the way, but through those mistakes, you you're able to learn and to grow right and to persevere and it, it's interesting that you literally went from a little wartime house to a commercial plaza with multiple residential units retail spaces and you just dove right in so there is literally when it comes to real estate investing you literally had no fear you just dive in yeah and it's it's actually you know like i would highly recommend other people to do that i wouldn't recommend all the uh you know like nowadays it, you know, I'm even though this was only 15 years ago, um, literally back 15 years ago, I think, I don't even know. Do you know when rain started that uh, popular? Um, uh, I'm not sure, club? but it's yeah. been around for, I think, over 20 years now. Yeah. So like, I mean, I didn't even know about stuff like that back then. Obviously there was, like I said, the internet was just starting to just starting back then. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about anything. So, uh, you know, I, I, it did take just, just brunt force, hard work, uh, to, to pull that thing off. And, uh, you know, it was brutal for the first five years, but, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I think that's what you literally have to do to, 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 to be successful in anything. You just have to never give up. Um, you know, there was lots of times I, I just said, that, you know, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, you just have to find a way. You just have to absolutely, uh, find a way to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I virtually did the same thing, right? Like it was jumping in and making tons of mistakes and losing all kinds of money and time and effort and energy along the way. And so, um, I think those were very valuable life lessons to learn and I certainly wouldn't change it, but I don't necessarily recommend that people do that, right? If, if you have the ability to get education, to surround yourself with mentors and coaches and, and groups that can educate you and help you avoid some of these pitfalls uh, that you and I have had to go through, then I think that's the more intelligent way to go. 
for sure. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I've, I've had, you know, multiple coaches, uh, you know, in the last uh, few years, but you know, my mindset, even when back then, when you think about it, um, a thousand bucks was a huge deal to me back then. And if I, if someone would have said, I am the guru of coaches, uh, real estate coaches, and I'm the best out there. And, and, and the information that I'm going to give you is going to change your life. And it was a thousand bucks. I 100% would have said no back then because I had such a scarcity mindset that, and I thought that everybody was charlatans and they were scammers and they were, um, you know, I, I just didn't believe it. And to be honest, the first 10 years of investing, I still didn't believe in coaching. I thought you could find out what you could on the internet. You can go to clubs, you can do all these things. And I, I really didn't believe that, um, that coaching was even a, you know, something that was, uh, didn't think it would work. Uh, I thought it was probably a waste of money. And now <laughs> of 15 years of, of toiling um, myself and, and, and keeping everything to myself, uh, I'm realizing that, um, no, that's the absolute wrong way to go about things. You know, network with other people, get a coach. I would highly recommend getting a coach. Now, obviously, you got to do your homework. You don't want, you don't want to just pick anybody, but um, I would try to find someone that uh, um, someone has that, that has the same uh, values, the same um, as you. You know, that someone you get along with. Um, but yeah, I I uh, I would highly recommend um, getting a coach. It would have saved me a, a lot of grief. But you know, hey, I learned I learned a lot in those uh, those early years. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and you know, um, you and I have a very similar story in the, in the way we kind of approached real estate from the beginning, and there is uh, ways that you can get started for low cost or no cost, right? Absolutely. And to kind of build a little bit of that foundation, if you know, for our listeners that are saying, you know, I'd love to hire a coach, but maybe you know, uh, like you just mentioned, they're not in the right mindset, they don't have the right financial means at this point in time. A uh, wonderful thing about the internet is there's all kinds of resources, you know, you can get on YouTube, you can get books and stuff from Amazon and whatnot. And, uh, and definitely that'll give you a little bit of guidance and, and maybe help shift the mindset a little bit uh, and look at investing in your education in a different way. But, um, but again, it really all comes back to that perseverance, right? If you want something bad enough, you're going to figure out a way to get in the game and to do it and to make it happen, right? And, um, you know, I've been investing in real estate for over 20 years now, and I'm still learning. I'm still investing in my education, as are you. And every, you know, every year I have different trials and tribulations and things that I go through, but that just makes me better, right? It makes me a better investor. It makes me a better uh, businessman. It makes me a better human, right? Yeah. So learning through that so that that's amazing uh so and i know you've got a ton of stories so i, I kind of want to dive into to some more stuff but just in hindsight looking back after everything you've gone through are you happy that you chose real estate as as a career um and as a way to set yourself up for financial independence yeah 100 percent, absolutely um i would say yeah because uh, what i was talking about before there like you really only have three so first of all, I wanted to be rich, okay? And that's, you know, I mean, that's, I'll just get that right out. 
on the table. You know, when I was with that, I think everyone should be rich. Yeah. So, so I knew young that there was no way in hell, if you had a job, you were going to be rich. There's like literally zero chance. There's never, you know, when I was in my twenties, I thought to myself, and I tell the, I tell this to people when they say, when they ask me that question about real estate, there's very few career paths that you can choose where every day, like in real estate, every day there is a chance, be it small, that I'm literally going to stumble across a million dollar deal. What other career can you, I mean, literally the gamut, pick, pick whichever one you want. What other career choice could you have where you could literally stumble upon a million dollar deal that's going to change your life? Very, very few. Uh, and real estate, that's what keeps me going every day, knowing that uh, at, I could literally bump into somebody, we could negotiate something, and I could literally close a million-dollar deal in an afternoon. Um, what, other, what other career you could, you could choose that you could do that? And there's pretty much none. And, and that's why I said this is for me. And it, I get out of bed in the morning knowing that this is something that can happen. I, I don't think, I honestly don't even know what I would do with myself. If I had to get up and go do my job that gets 27, 35 an hour, and then, you know, maybe in three months it'll go up to $28 an hour. And then maybe in five years I'll be at $30 an hour. And just, I literally, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. For all the listeners that are out there that have a job, um, and they like the security and they like their job and they, you know, th- that's what they want to do by all means do that. I think it's fantastic. But if you have the personality that I have, and there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of us out there that like, I literally can't even get out of bed thinking if I had a job, I just, I just could not do it. There's, I don't know, call us the 1%, call us whatever you want, but, um, I, I we're, we're unemployable. We're unemployable, Dan. Yeah, I'm definitely unemployable. I, I went through a gamut of jobs when I was young. Uh, got fired from every one of them. Couldn't uh, couldn't get along with anybody at work. I was just miserable. And I know now why I was miserable. Because because I just, like, what the hell am I doing? Every day I'd be going there saying I'm trading my, my hours for dollars. This is, like, the worst system ever. Like, like who the hell wants to do this? Um, yeah, so I, I, I just, so real estate, I, I think literally real estate has saved my life because up until I discovered real estate, I thought, oh my God, like there's literally nothing to live for. Like there's no, like, yeah. if, cause if this is what I have to do, I have to do 50 years of this and then maybe retire. Like what the hell? Um, it literally, yeah, it literally saved my life, real estate. And I, you know, like sure it's hard. Any business is hard. Having a flower shop is hard. Running a restaurant is hard. Being selling shoes is hard. Whatever it is, being self-employed is hard. I don't care what the hell you're doing. So being in, in real estate, but the shoe salesman guy or, or the guy who has the, the those little businesses or the restaurant or whatever, they're not having a million-dollar day either. You know what I mean? The guy who owns the restaurant is never going to have a million-dollar day. The guy who has the shoe store, he's never going to have a million dollar day. The renovator guy, he's never, but the real estate guy, oh, it's definitely possible. You could have a million dollar day. And I think that's what keeps me going. 
Yeah, I think the message is it it doesn't matter what you decide to do in life, there's going to be challenges, right? So if you know you're going to have challenges and you're going to have to face adversity, you might as well choose to do something that you enjoy. More than right? 100%. It's going to give you the ability to create the finances you need to fund your desired lifestyle, no matter what that looks like for you, right? And real estate absolutely has that. There's so many... Uh, powerful attributes to investing, right? The, the ability to use leverage, like to use other people's money to buy an asset, right? The, whether it's the bank's money or private money that you alluded to very early on, uh, the security of it, the fact that you can fix it up, you can add value to it, you can control it, right? You can manage that asset. And, um, and then of course, there's the tax benefits of real estate as well. So the cash flow that trickles in monthly if you're, you know, hopefully you're buying your properties right where they are creating cash flow. Um, I know some investors like to to buy for uh, and hope and pray for appreciation. But again, that seems a little bit like speculation to me and a little bit risky. So, you know, why do that when you can buy an asset that has the cash flow as well as the potential appreciation? So there's just so many positive attributes to to investing in real estate. So so that's amazing. And I know you've got uh, a lot of great stories. So could you enlighten us with another one of your um, horror stories? And just to kind of preface this, you know, a lot of people, they talk about all the positive, uh, wonderful things they've done in real estate. They've made a million dollars and bought, you know, 100 units or whatever it is. But I like to find the horror stories because I find that you know, through those mistakes is where we're able to really learn some of the most valuable lessons. And one of the things I want to do with this platform and this podcast is to speak to experienced guys like yourself so that we can un unpack those, those mistakes or challenges, if you will, and the lessons you learned from them so that our young listeners or uh, people that want to get into real estate, they can avoid those mistakes. So let's dive into another one of the, the challenging story. Well, um, it's funny because my 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 um, my stepdaughter, um, she I, I sold her a few properties. I've been selling her properties uh, in the last couple of years, which is awesome. So uh, she calls me all the time to ask me, you know, like, OK, this happened to me today. What do I do? And, and it's fun because I get to tell her like today, for example, she called and said um, her tenant wants to um, do like cut the grass shovel the snow, but they want a discount on their rent. And uh, I said, whoa, 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 no, 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 we don't, we don't do any of that. And she said, well, doesn't it sound like a good deal? And I said, sure, until they stop cutting the grass and then they stop shoveling the snow or someone, you know, they don't shovel the snow and someone breaks their leg or just, there's just so much. So that was just something I had to explain to her. Uh, you know, like, for example, I said, you know, you don't have to, um, you don't even have to shovel the snow if it's a house, like a triplex or whatever, and there's a parking space for that person. You tell them that's your parking space. That means that you have to shovel the snow. I don't come from my house over to shovel your your driveway. This is your driveway. Um, and she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And I say, she says, well, what if they call the tribunal on me? And I say, well, then you take their parking space away, and then 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 that'll solve that problem. But anyway, no horror stories. Um, God, I just got endless horror stories from when I, a perfect example from that plaza that I bought, uh, the very first plaza I bought. Um, in that, in that, I didn't know, of course, uh, when I just started, uh, who to rent to. 
and the the plaza was filled with you were either on welfare on disability or a drug dealer that's literally who i had in my 17 units uh when i first took over so i didn't understand at the time uh and th there literally was no other way to do this but you can't uh I, t I tell this this is good good stuff for the listeners here let's say you have a fourplex and you have four decent tenants and one of them leaves if you put one bad tenant in that fourplex well now you have a bad building even just one tenant now you have a bad building and why that is is because that one tenant is all of a sudden going to you're is literally the weakest link so they are now the makeup of your building so your worst tenant is literally the makeup of your entire building whether you like it or not so do not put a bad tenant ever in a place that's very very important because all of a sudden everybody in the un in the building will go to the level of the lowest person it doesn't go the opposite way the the lowest person in that building is not going to raise their standards to the higher people there, the three other tenants are going to lower their standards to the lowest person. So at the time when I first bought this plaza, I didn't understand that. I would just, I just assumed that, okay, there's a bunch of bad people in here. Every time someone left or I got someone out of there, uh, when people would come to look at the building, well, they would just assume that, okay, this is what's there. They know what the makeup of the building is. So, uh, so I couldn't find any good tenants. So I, I picked this guy, this guy shows up there. He's missing half his teeth. He looks like a rough character. Um, his name was Dan, Dan, the man, that's what I called him. Uh, yeah. it was quite comical. So this Dan, the man guy back then, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know about filling out applications or nothing. I just literally, if the guy had the money, you, you got an apartment. So it was one of my first tenants. So this guy, Dan, the man shows up, he's by himself. And he says he wants to move in. And he said he had a girlfriend. I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh, any pets? No. Uh, okay, well, great. You know, he had the money. So this guy moves in. So Dan, the man moves in. Uh, literally day two, uh, screens ripped out. Like literally just took the screen and ripped it off. Uh, bought a dog, of course. He has this dog. I Funny, I got to find the pictures of it. But I, at the time, of course, I was taking pictures of, you know, the dog with his head out the window. And we discussed this. Dan, the man was probably one of the worst tenants I ever had. He was there for over a year. He was a professional tenant. I could not get rid of this guy, no matter what I did. He would sell drugs. He'd be screaming out the window. His mother, his seven-year-old mother would pull up to the building. And this is comical. I'd be, I'd be in my apartment or whatever. And I would hear this old lady swearing, like screaming, you fucking this and you fucking that and just squaring. And I'd come outside and what the hell is going on? And Dan, his girlfriend, his girlfriend's daughter, the dog would all have their heads out the window all at the same time. It was the funniest thing you ever seen. And they would be all yelling at this lady <laughs> down, <laughs> downstairs in the parking lot. And they would just like, they would do this for hours. And they would just communicate that way. Like the old lady wouldn't go up the stairs. They would just like literally swear and yell back and forth. And the dog would be barking and, you know, oh, my God. The trials uh, and tribulations of tenants. I did this for an entire year with Dan because I couldn't get him out. You know, I would go to the tribunal and I would uh, fill out the paperwork. And then I'd go there and they'd say the paperwork's filled out wrong and they'd kick me out. 
And then it would take, you know, like two months to get back there. And then they'd say it's filled out wrong again. And then I'd go back there and then they would say, you have nothing, you haven't proved anything. Where's your paperwork? And then I'd go back again and they'd say, um, you know, I'd say this person's dealing drugs and they would say, well, what proof do you have? And I say, well, proof, they, they're standing on the, the street corner. They're, they're like, a, well, I've seen them do it. And they say, well, that's not good enough. You're out of here. And it would just be over and over and over and over again. And then it took about a year and a half. I literally had to, I think I paid Dan $2,500 to move out. I still didn't get him out from the tribunal. I literally bought him out. I just got to the point where I said, this is, I, I can't think of anything else. I said, Dan, what's it going to take to get rid of you? And he said, a lot of money. And I said, well, what's your number? And it ended up, I don't know, it was like three or four grand he started at. Ended up being 2,500 bucks and I had to buy this guy out of there. Isn't that the craziest thing? Crazy. Cash. Cash for keys. I actually uh, use that strategy sometimes because, like you alluded to, um, sometimes it's just easier to pay them off to leave than to have to deal with, with the tribunal and the paperwork. And the other thing I always like to recommend to new investors because, you know, when you've got that first deal and sometimes cash flow is a little bit, little bit tight, and you've got somebody that's got first and last month's rent and they want to pay you and they just seem like the world's uh, best tenant, you know, like Dan, the man there. And, yeah. um, and then, so you're, you're just excited <laughs> to get that money and to, to fill your unit so you can stop the bleeding on the bills and the expenses. But I always like to encourage people to really, really screen your tenants well. And again, this is where education comes in and, and figuring out, you know, how to navigate the tribunal and the forms so that you don't have these issues. And it's, it's much better to have a vacant unit than it is to fill your unit with a bad tenant. Absolutely. Right? Issues. And the other key point that I think you brought up that I want to just mention again is, you know, you, you could have, like you use the analogy of a four-unit building. You've got three great tenants. If you move a bad tenant in, that basically disrupts the other three units and they come down to that tenant standards or they're going to move, right? It's yeah. just gonna, it's going to devalue the building. Uh, so again, it's very, very important to make sure you're screening your tenants thoroughly before you put them into the unit. So, and I, I over the years, I've learned the, that lesson the hard way as well. So, yeah, if I could tell you how many times I, in the first five years that, uh, of course, you build up your spidey senses, right, as you go, you know, like my spidey senses, my spidey senses are so good now that you don't even have to talk. And I can tell you, I know everything about you, you don't even have to open your mouth, uh, whether this is a good tenant or bad tenant, just because my spidey senses are so good now. But um, I remember one of my worst tenants ever was a 18 year old who showed up there with his grandmother. And, uh, you know, the grandmother did all the talking, which I thought was a little weird. You know, I asked this guy a couple things and, you know, and, and it's just the, the, um, the, I got to think of exactly the just needs a chance, just needs a second chance. That's it. He just needs a second chance. If I get every single person who has ever said just need a second chance, immediately their application goes in the garbage because they're basically telling you that they've, um, they are a terrible tenant and somehow magically renting from you and th they're going to change their ways. And so immediately if someone says anything about second chance, they're done. 
immediately immediately goes in the garbage. I've learned a lot of little tricks along the way too, but uh, yeah, that's one of the um, there's there's uh, just need a second chance. Uh, you know, I just I don't know. There's a handful of things that people say now that as soon as they say it, I just I I almost laugh in my own head and I just say, wow, how many times have I heard that? And this has ended up a total disaster. Or oh, I got a good one. You're gonna get the money. Don't worry, you're gonna get the money. Yeah, yeah. That is instant application in the garbage. If if they say, "Don't worry, you're gonna get the money." Oh man. Yeah, yeah through uh, through experience, you learn. You know, you kind of learn as you go and learn these lessons. And you you like you said, you do get really good at screening. Uh, the other way too is. Obviously, if you're not an individual that likes to deal with that or you don't want to deal with that, um, you can find a great property management company in the local area and then delegate those tasks to a management company that has the experience and the systems in place, right? So with that, we're, we're pretty much at our time here, but I just want to wrap up with uh, what, what are you working on now? I know your geographical uh, area of expertise is the Sarnia area. That's where you like to invest. Um, so what do you got in, in the pipeline right now? So I'm a small town investor. I like, um, I like being, I'm in Sarnia. It's a small, uh, it's a small area. There's only 70,000 people here. It was really difficult to, um, it was really difficult to grow my business in this area for the first 10 years. Cause it was literally zero growth and, uh, it's gotten a little better now, but, um, I've, I, I went on a, a really big run for the first 10 years of trying to buy buying holds and um, and realized that if you're not if if there's if you're not building equity and you're not getting any equity boost from the um, you know from the economy or whatever everything's going up um, you run out of money all the time and you're literally take you have to keep on refinancing just to pay your bills um, so. So I, I had to figure out a secondary way to make money. And what I did was I started flipping. I already had a construction background, so I started flipping. And yeah. the first few years, I actually took my lumps pretty hard on that as well um, because it was it was a lot tougher than I thought. Um, first couple of years, I did terrible. Third year, I did, you know, like I think I broke even, maybe made a little bit. And now I'm on my fourth year, and I'm actually doing really well. So I have, I wouldn't say really well, but I'm doing much better. Um, I have about, uh, I think it's eight flips on the go right now. And uh, I have a uh, commercial building downtown that I bought in Sarnia. And uh, we're going to be converting that one. That's a nine, it was just like nine bachelor apartments. And we're just going to gut it and just turn it into four luxury uh, downtown apartments. And there, I think there's four commercial there as well. Um, yeah, so I'm doing that. And then I got these eight flips. I don't even know. I've, I've lost count. I got about eight flips on the go right now. Um, right. yeah, so, th so they're, they're doing well. Um, the weather's getting better now. Thank God. It's been, uh, it's been a long, cold, miserable winter. Um, we'll have to save that conversation actually for another, uh, time, but uh, another time, but, but you also do property management as well. Is that correct? Uh, I only do my own. So we're, we're uh, currently uh, setting up systems to take on third-party property management. Um, we just got our software there about a month ago. We want to make sure that it's actually working well within our own uh, uh, portfolio before we take on any third-party people because we don't really want any glitches. We don't want to come right out of the gate 
uh, firing on all cylinders and not uh, not look bad. So um, so we're 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 almost there. A uh, couple months more, I think, of uh, in implementing all these um, the new software and everything. Uh, I think we'll be ready to take on some third-party uh, stuff. But um, right now we have about sixty, about sixty or seventy units of our own, so that's quite a bit to to manage. And um, I think we're going to be ready to go though in a, in a couple, two or three months. We'll be taking on some third-party stuff. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you once again for your time and and uh, those nuggets of wisdom. And uh, definitely, when you're ready to launch the new management business, anybody that's looking to uh, invest in in the Cernia area and wants to outsource property management, also connecting with you and tapping into your your resources and your connections and just your wealth of knowledge and experience that you've built up over the years, I think will be uh, very beneficial to anybody that's looking to invest in that area. So just want to thank you once again, Dan. It was a pleasure chatting with you today, and we're definitely going to have to have you back on in the future to see uh, what what kind of uh, deals you got in the works. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate you having me on your show. I had a great time. I think I did all the talking, but um, I think that's what it's supposed to be all about. But about shows, right? That's that's why we're here to learn from you. Everybody gets they get to hear from me all the time. So today is okay. all about you, Dan. So you Thanks, did amazing. Yeah. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Care More Work Less Show. To access the show notes from this show or for more resources on real estate, business, wealth creation, and liberation, head on over to jeffreywoods.com. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y woods.com. If you found this show valuable, head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. It's greatly appreciated. And until next time, remember, the more you care, the less you work.